Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Chapter 11. Please join me tonight in the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 11. That would be the fifth book of the Old Testament. Anybody here tonight need a Bible? Uh, we'd ha- be happy to provide you with a Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 11 this evening. As we gather together, the word Deuteronomy, don't be confused by that word, it simply means a second telling. It is the second time that the laws of Moses are explained in the Word of God, the first being uh, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. I mean, you know, when, when you want to get a point across, you've got to tell it twice. So that's what Deuteronomy is. It's a second telling to a new generation of, of Jews that have entered into the Promised Land or going into the Promised Land. And, uh, and there's a scripture we're going to read this evening that these words come down to us throughout these thousands of years of history of a Judeo-Christian heritage that still have power in our lives tonight. There was once a Christian businessman who was traveling. He had been away from home and was preparing to go back. He was packing his suitcase and remarked to his colleague, he said, uh, you know, it's a good thing that I have space in my suitcase for all this stuff. He said, well, what do you have with you? Well, I have... uh, I have a guidebook, I have a lamp, I have a mirror, I brought my telescope, I brought my library of poems, I brought all of my biographies, I brought all of these letters, I have a hymn book, I brought my, my sharp sword, I brought a small library, I brought, uh, I brought a perfect prognosticating future book, and all of it fits in my suitcase. And the man commented, how, how could you possibly fit all of those things in one suitcase? He says, it's all right here in the Word of God. Tonight, we often forget the incredible importance and the place that the Bible holds, not just in our own personal lives, but in the scope and span of history. And I hope tonight to remind you about the power of the Bible And more importantly, not just the words, the letters on the page, but the words of God spoken directly to your life. That's really where the power is tonight. And so let's read together Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning with verse 18. Say amen if you're there. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart 
and in your soul. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That all your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of heavens above the earth. For if, tonight, verse 22, for if you carefully keep all these commandments that I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man, think of this, no man shall be able to stand against you. Nor the Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. This is the promise to those who take the Bible serious tonight. And this is the the message I want to share with you titled, These Words of Mine. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come once again by the precious blood of Jesus that was shed so that our sins could be washed away. I thank you tonight that we can gather in your house, God, free of persecution, free to worship you and to live for you and to proclaim your name. Lord, I pray that your people tonight would once again have a hunger and a thirst to search your word for the words of life that have the power to transform us and our children and our family tree. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do through this message tonight, that it would have power, not from me, but from your Holy Spirit. We desperately need you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. So let's look first of all at at the commitment that is required. Boy. The word commitment is a dangerous word in 2018. And I bet it'll probably even be more dangerous in 2019. You know the real problem with millennials is? (laughs) It's commitment. Simply afraid to commit. Afraid to commit to lifelong relationships. Afraid to commit to a job. Afraid to commit to a certain standard of beliefs. And so we've got to keep our options open. That's, the, that's the, uh, the life ambition of many young people today. I do not want, really, to commit myself to a certain thing. But this, this scripture begins with that word. And so if you're going to take the Bible seriously, you've got to throw all of those notions out of the window tonight. And you've got to say, this is something that I've got to be willing to give my life to. If you take this book and you try to half-heart your way through it, I was going to say half something else, but I'm not going to in church. If you're going to half-heart your way through this book, it's going to be useless to you. That's why tonight it begins, our scripture begins with these words in verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words. The old King James says you shall commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. The Hebrew word behind that translation, it means to set, to lay upon, 
to put hands upon someone, to direct towards, to ordain, to establish a foundation, to appoint, to constitute, to determine. You get the idea. It is to make something solid. Lay up yourself in the Word of God. You shall commit yourself. This is a decision every Christian has to make early on in your salvation. You've got to decide for yourself. Nobody else can do this for you. If the only time you crack open your Bible is once a week on Sunday morning, then you are in deep spiritual poverty. And you will not advance as a Christian. That's why this, be, this Scripture begins with the word commit. Amen. Lay up upon yourself. Make a foundation in your mind. These words are important to my life. The New International Version says, Impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. It gives the idea of the old printing press. Maybe some of you have been to Williamsburg. They actually have a working press there in the city. And they have it, it's actually in this, uh, in this one house that's kind of, you have to go down to the cellar area. And uh, it, it is a real working uh, printing press that they have the rollers with the ink, the, the oil ink that they take, and they, they put the, the, the words, they line them all up, and they put the words in there, they roll the ink on top, and then there's a big press that they put the paper on, and the man takes and he presses it. He impresses that ink into the paper in a way that is permanent. And, you know, we have books. We have today, we have books that were created on the printing press, even the Geneva Bible, very first Bible ever to be pressed. It is still around to this day, 500 years later. Because once you press in that ink into that paper, I want to tell you that it is there. It is established. This is what we ought to be doing on a daily basis with the words of our God. This is not just an opinion to consider. This is not just a headline to scroll past. The words that God has for us are things that we must press on our heart and on our soul. I want to tell you there is a difference tonight between simply scanning the words, the letters that form into words, the words that form into sentences, the sentences that form into paragraphs, which form into chapters and books, it is one thing to skim them and get a basic understanding of what they mean, but it is quite something else, isn't it? To press them onto your soul. Sinners read the Bible. A few of them do. Usually they're looking for contradictions. Usually they're looking for evidence about why they don't have to live the way God wants them to live. Maybe you used to do that as a sinner. Maybe you used to find the way out. Maybe I could just find that one scripture that says it's okay to get drunk every weekend. Maybe, you know, uh, I just saw on, on social media, uh, one pastor out there, he would say, find me one scripture that says it's okay for homosexuals to engage in that sin. Find me one. If you're a Christian and you're a homosexual, find me the one scripture. And the reason he said that is because it's not in there. Sinners can read the Bible, but it's not going to change anyone's life until we make a commitment tonight. This commitment that we're talking about, it requires actions, it requires decisions, 
It requires tonight that we set time aside. How many of you have ever taken something seriously? There are some things in life that you really need to take seriously, right? And, uh, and uh, you know, the PlayStation 4 is not one of them. I'll just throw that in for free. There are some things in life that you really need to take seriously. You know, your, your job, for example. You should really think about taking that seriously. You're going to be an adult. You know, you're going to have to pay some bills in life. You might as well, you know, take, seri- take it seriously what the boss says because what the boss says is how you get a paycheck. Marriage is something you ought to take seriously. And anything tonight, anything that you take seriously in your life, it's going to take some effort, some attention. I'm amazed at how easily, uh, you know, men will, will, will give themselves to a sports team and they will memorize the name of every position and the, the, the statistics behind every game and the possibilities, the win factors, the coaches, all of the uh, prospects, the fantasy, all of these things. And really, for many people, it's more than just a hobby. It's something you take very seriously. And I'm not saying that that is sinful tonight. I'm, I'm using that as an example. That takes time. You've got to study some numbers and some names and watch some games if you're going to have that level of knowledge about those things. And at the same time, some of those Christian men who know so much about your team and about your colors and about your coaches and your players and can't find the book of Deuteronomy. See what I'm saying? Because a commitment to the Bible takes time. It takes actions. It takes something seriously. The heart tonight is like a treasury. It's like a safe. Anybody here got a safe in your house? Maybe somebody does. You know what you keep in your safe? Food. (laughs) That's because for Miss Ernestine, that is one of the most important things in this life. The things you keep in the safe are the things that are most important to you. Some people keep their guns in the safe because that is an important thing. Some people keep valuable metals in their safe. Some people keep large quantities of cash because those are important things. Can I tell you tonight that your heart, this thing that thumps inside of your chest, is like a safe? And can I tell you there is only room for a few things? You can't put everything in there. There's only going to be room and attention for very, very few things in your safe. But I'm telling you tonight, the best investment of your time and energy is in the Word of God. The heart must be the treasury, the storehouse, where the Word of God must be laid up and treasured in our soul. In fact, when the, when the Jews, they've been reading this same Scripture for thousands of years, and when it said there in, uh, in uh, hold on, and in uh, verse 18, it said, you shall lay these words up of mine in your heart and in your soul. And it said, bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Maybe you've seen a a few Jewish people who actually literally do this. They're wearing a piece of jewelry on their head or on their hands, or sometimes on the front door of their house, there's a little box that has little scriptures written upon them. They call them phylacteries. That's true. And if you've ever been around the Jewish culture, you know that they take that seriously. 
said, if God said it, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Word of God, and we're going to wrap it up on tiny little paper, and we're going to wear it kind of like jewelry. Because we believe that the Word of God is what makes the difference in our lives. The point is, the point of this is, we need to keep the Word of God central in our lives every day. If it was hanging off of your face, you better hope you know what it says on there. Yet Christians, we come into church Sunday in and Sunday out. The Bible sits on our lap or on our uh, coffee tables. But how many truly know what it says? George Barna did a study not too long ago. I've been talking about that. And he asked the question of Christians. He said, how many, I'll be honest, we're Christians, right? We're not supposed to lie. How many Christians have actually read the entire Bible? And you know what the response was after his survey of Christian people? He said only 3% of born-again believers claim that they have read the entire Bible. That's really sad to me. Really sad. Tonight, I want to tell you that the Word of God is powerful. God commands us that he, we should never allow ourselves to overlook these words that have the power of life. Psalm 119, verse 30. David says, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. What about you tonight? Have you laid before yourself the words of God? Commitment means being pr- close in proximity to someone. It means being intimate. You know, there's only, uh, for married people, there's only one person that you should really have close proximity to, intimacy with. That is a sign of commitment, that you have those rights as a married person to be together with your wife or your husband. Commitment equals intimacy. And that means proximity. You know, it's very hard to maintain a long-distance relationship. Have you ever tried that before? I'm married to you, I'm committed to you, but you live on the other side of the planet. It's not really going to work well. The same is true tonight with the Word of God. That God's Word ought to be something that we are intimately aware of and know about and passionate about. And we can only truly become intimate with something that we are truly committed to. See, this is the problem with so many generations. This generation growing is that because... There's a a lack of desire for commitment. Do you know what it equals? It equals a very shallow way of life. Constantly moving from one relationship to the next. Never finding any roots. And this is why the men of our generation are struggling because they have no purpose. This is why it's easier to find purpose in a video game than it is to find in something that truly matters. In eternal things. First, uh, what about us tonight? Are we intimate with the Word of God? How often do you engage in the deep, prolonged study and exposure of meditation? Tonight, let's look back at our Scripture. The, the commitment that we got ought to lead to something else. We shall lay up these words in our hearts and in our souls, bind them, And then in verse 19, it goes on to say, you shall teach them. Everybody say the word teach. Let me ask you tonight. Do you feel comfortable teaching something 
that you have no idea what it's about? Would you teach a, uh, a, a college-level calculus class? I know I sure wouldn't want to do that. Because I, I, I have forgotten uh, all of that information. As soon as I left from high school, it's like all that calculus stuff. Man, I just got the grade and I'm moving on, baby. I don't want to teach that because I have no idea. That would take some time and it would take some effort and it would take some, uh, some, some compassion to learn that and come to the point where I'd be able to teach it. This is exactly what the Word of God is showing us tonight. That every person here who's saved and has a relationship with God, you are called to be a teacher of the Word of God. But the thing is, you cannot teach what you do not know. Teach. Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Tonight, we are called to be the teachers of the next generation. Teaching is not the same as preaching. Is that, Pastor, that's your job. You're supposed to teach us three times a week from behind the pulpit. No, no. Preaching and teaching are two separate things. This, what I'm doing here tonight, preaching is more of a one-way conversation that God uses in a miraculous way to inspire us and challenge us, right? But teaching is something quite different. Teaching is when we take what we've learned, we take the things that God has shown us, and He allows us to impart them to another generation. It is not enough just to be learners tonight. We ought to be teachers. The Christian world tonight has become satisfied to grow intellectually and spiritually bloated while a world of pagans and sinners do not know their right hand from their left. Primarily, this teaching ought to happen in your house. Look at verse 19 again. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You know what the problem with the, uh, with the public education system is? There, there's many of them. We could spend a few hours talking about them. One of the things is that we send our children off to the public schoolhouse and say, your job, go teach them something. Good luck with them. I'm out of here, right? And, and they become glorified daycares. And I know there's a lot of good public school teachers and public school classrooms. I don't want to discount everybody. But I do want to say that parents, what it's caused is a lack of, of diligence in parents. You know, teaching is actually the parent's job. It's not the teacher's job. We have hired, we have set up a system so that teachers do it for us. But you know who God will hold responsible for your children's education? That's parents. That's fathers and mothers. And can I tell you tonight that, yes, we have a children's church program here. We have a Sunday school we love your kids, and we have wonderful Sunday school teachers who bring your children uh, into our classroom back there on Sunday mornings, and we're going to teach them a, good, a few good things about the Word of God, right? But let me tell you this tonight. If that's the only time they're getting biblical teaching, you are failing as a parent. Yes, you are. 
Because the responsibility of learning the Bible is not from me as your pastor. It's not from our Sunday school teachers. It is from parents, mothers, and fathers, and especially fathers, to teach the Word of God. Did you read that? Maybe, am I, is that just in my Bible or is that in yours too? It said, you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You know, I never said that about the sports team. Sit down, Junior. I'm going to teach you why the Redskins are our team. Sit down, Junior. We're going to teach you how to fix a car, right? And th- these are the conversations. And yes, we've got to prepare our children for life. But the, the Bible never commanded us to teach other things. But this, the Word of God. This is what God has commanded us to teach to our children. Speaking of them, when we sit in our house, when you walk by the way, and the problem with so many Christians is that we don't know, and so we don't teach. Over and over we see it. In the Bible, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, you shall teach these words of mine diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. Psalm 34, 11, come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 38, 19, the living man, he shall praise you as I do to this day. The father shall make known the truth to your children. Proverbs 4, verse 1. My children, the instruction of a father, give attention and no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. He said, let your heart retain my words. Keep the commandments of God and live. Over and over, the the pattern that we see is not pastors speaking to people. It's fathers and mothers teaching the children. I want to tell you tonight, this is not just a message to parents, because this is a message to every Christian here today. There's somebody that you should be teaching the Word of God. You can't teach what you don't know. It gives us a strategy here. First of all, it says speaking. It says talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed. This doesn't have to mean that you know every answer. Let's talk about it. Let's read it, and let's pray about it. And let's see, you don't have to know every in and out of the Bible. It just means you've got to talk about it. Read the Bible. Put on a daily Bible reading program. It's not like this is hard in 2018. You have an app on your phone that has made it so easy to read the Bible. And yet, we are a generation that reads it far less than any other generation before us. It said not only speaking, but writing. Verse 20, write the words of mine. Write these words of mine. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Quilt them on your pillows. Put them on magnets on your your refrigerator. This is why it's good to have the Ten Commandments in a public school. Because a child can look at that and say, okay, I get that. I can read that. I can understand that. Oh, no, we can't be telling the children not to kill each other. That is, uh, no, 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 we can't have that. That's hateful. Could you imagine if we told them that it's bad to steal things? And that's, that's where we are today. 
These words of God have the power to change lives. But here tonight as we close, here is where it really becomes powerful. It's not just hearing them. It's not just speaking about them. It is obeying them. Look at verse 22 as we close. For if you carefully keep, everybody say carefully keep. If you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him. You know, everybody hates a hypocrite. It says, do as I say, but not as I do. Oh, here's the word of God, children. But let me slip out for a, for a party night. If all we do is teach, but we don't live, and we don't obey, we are doing more harm than good. And as people of God, our greatest calling tonight is not just to read, study, know, and teach. It is tonight to obey. David figured this out. Psalm 119. If you really want to know about a, a, a good relationship with the Word of God, I want to encourage you to read Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is, uh, it is what they call an acrostic poem. I wish y'all could, could read Hebrew. I wish I could read Hebrew. Because uh, David crafted this incredible acrostic poem. In other words, what it is, is he has ten lines. It's separated. Each verse is ten lines long. And every line begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And he goes letter by letter throughout the entire alphabet. And apparently in the Hebrew, it all rhymes and it's beautifully crafted. But unfortunately, we got to read it through translation. But the book of Psalm 119, this chapter, is a love letter to God's words. If you want to be inspired about knowing the word of God and obeying it, this is a good place to start. Let me just read you a few highlights here. Verse 30, I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. On and on it goes. Over a hundred verses in one single chapter. And it's all about the Word of God. I hope tonight that as you've heard a message like this about the Word of God, that you would have a hunger, a thirst to search. Let me ask you this question. Why is it? Why is it that Western civilization started with the printing of the Bible? Why is it that 90% of the greatest technological advancements have come from societies where the Bible was written and understood and studied? Why is it tonight? Because the Word of God, when we read it, when we know it, and when we obey it, has the power to transform our lives. God tonight, He is not interested in how religious you are, how much sacrifice you make. He's not interested in you just following the list of rules and regulations. You know what God is looking for tonight? Obedience. And here's what I can guarantee you. 
when you start to take this book seriously, and you start to read, and you start to figure a few things out, here's what I guarantee you tonight. You will find something that you're not doing right. <laughs> yes, even you. You've been saved for 25 years. Yes, even you will find something that will challenge your soul. You've been saved for 50 years. I guarantee you, you read long enough, you will find something that you are not doing correctly that will convict your soul. Because God uses His Word to speak to us. He uses His Word. He will not contradict it. These words. And our calling tonight is to read, to study, to teach, and to obey. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Young Samuel, or, or excuse me, this is Samuel as a prophet. He says to King Saul, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His, to his voice? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Jeremiah 7, 23. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Jesus said, if you love me, can somebody finish it? If you love me, amen, tonight you'll keep my commandments. And what are the results as we close? If we will do these things, we have the results in our scripture. Verse 21. As long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. You know, that sounds like a long time. How long do you think the sky will remain above the earth? For probably a little while. And as long as that is still happening, your children will flourish. You know, that's a good word, flourish. Flourish means abundance. It means blessing. It's the natural result of the presence of God in anyone's life. God's presence is in your life. Guess what will happen to you? You'll, you'll begin to flourish. Your finances, your relationships, your job, blessing. When we follow the words of the Lord and obey, the Bible says we and our children will begin to flourish. Secondly, look at what the Lord will do to our enemies. Then the Lord will drive out the nations ahead of you, even though they are greater and stronger than you, and He will take, and you will take over their Lands. In other words, he's saying to those people who take the word of God seriously, that the enemies who stand in front of you that you're so scared of, that definitely have an advantage against you, they are no problem with God. Can I ask you, what is the biggest, meanest, nastiest enemy that you are facing right now? Can I tell you that they are no match for God? And how do we get God on our side? We simply have to obey Him. Deuteronomy 7.23, The Lord your God will hand them over to you. He will throw them into complete confusion until they are destroyed. This is what God does to the enemy of His people tonight. And finally, wherever you set your foot, that land will be yours. This is a promise of adventure. This is a promise of conquest. And I know we're not talking about taking the world like, like uh, as colonists. No, we're talking about conquest for the kingdom of God. That means whatever door you knock on, when you begin to speak about Jesus, you'll have victory. Have you ever knocked on a door and had it slammed right back in your face? Of course you have. Have you ever started talking about Jesus and said, well, I don't believe that? 
we can agree to disagree. <laughs> I want to tell you, people who are obedient to the Word of God, they, there are, God can give you supernatural inroads to be able to speak to people. Dominion, overcomers, more than conquerors, the Bible calls us. We are not called to be timid and shy Christians. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, spirit of adventure. I want to encourage you tonight. This book has the power to transform your family, your mind, has the power to break addictions in your life, has the power to give you understanding for the situation that you're facing right now. Say, this is an old dusty book made for ancient people. Oh, no, then you do not understand this book. You do not understand it. You haven't seen it because when you read it tonight, when you obey it, when you teach it, I want to tell you tonight, God will use it to cause your life to be better than it is today until eternity. And you know the exciting thing to me is that this is not the end of the story. This is not the end. When you read to the last page, you know what it tells me? It tells me that Jesus is coming back one day and he's going to start work on a new Bible. And as wonderful as this word is, I want to tell you the words that he has for us in eternity don't even compare. Because we won't need, we won't need to read his words on a page. He will speak to us face to face. If you don't like the word of God now, you probably won't like it then either. Tonight, I want to encourage you, have a hunger and a thirst. And if you don't, if your hunger and your thirst leads you to another app, I want you to pray with me tonight, God, increase my desire for the Word of God. Let's bow our heads tonight as we, we bring us this service to an end. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.